0: The Money Show. Other people's money.
1: They call economics the dismal science. What do they call political science, I wonder? Let's ask Dr. Ralph Mateja, the political analyst on the line to us from Joburg this evening. If economics is the dismal science, what is political science, Ralph? You know,
0: Breeze, uh, uh, good evening and uh, grieving listeners, That's a very interesting question. If you look at the Greek philosophers, you know, usually they always shy away from. Saying they want to get involved in politics. The thing with politics is that those who understand it Bruce and they are experts they don't want to get involved. Those who do not fully understand it love to get involved with it. That's what it
1: is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's this there's the science. If you're involved you don't understand it. Got you. Now, uh, uh, Ralph, I mean something uh, uh, it's my personal curiosity and this is other people's money um, where we ask people embarrassing questions about money and their attitude towards yeah. money. Um I, how do political analysts get paid i'm curious you you work for nobody yet you are in the public eye um you write reports you do all kinds
0: of things but how do you actually get paid bruce that's a very very interesting question i never thought i had to answer that question but uh, you know what um you don't get paid by talking to bruce you don't get paid by going to a tv station for me personally talking to bruce i consider it a public service because uh, I'm, I'm one of the people who believe that uh, if you believe you are a political analyst you want to do it because you love it you'll do it without any pay i mean i will even prioritize my community stations that i have a ratio that i have got to do some within a week how do we actually get paid as far as i'm concerned i'll be quite open with myself i mean i'm a finance expert bruce i've done some work on local government academia as well so what that means is that I can produce a country risk report for a finance company, for a bank, for a non-government organization, for, uh, 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 for any other entity that is looking into how South Africa's politics actually function. So in that way, I'll be a consultant. But I also write okay. a column, uh, Bruce. I, I write. I contribute towards writing as well. Uh, sometimes one or two people will pick my book. Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> yeah, there are two fun. books, two books. When Zuma goes and Ramaphosa's turn. Um, I think when when you wrote When Zuma goes, I was so excited, and I thought you, you were pre, you you were sort of you were forecasting his departure, and it was such a depressing read because what you said in that book, as I remember it, and it's a long time ago was we've not even begun to see <laughs> the mess that this guy is leaving behind. And you've been shown to be absolutely accurate on that because what we've seen play out over the last you know, three years of Sir Ramaphosa's presidency is him playing fireman uh, and and somebody is, you know, tied a knot in the fire hose and stolen the fire extinguishers and his and his fireproof jacket and his hard hat. I mean, it's just been the most debilitating attempt to at trying to turn around a, a, a state on
0: the edge of failure. I mean, Bruce, I always say that what began as a petty fight among ANC members, sometimes accentuated by personalities, the 2007 and so forth, uh, last struggle. What began as that petty battle has morphed into an ideological position whereby a point of compromise is nearly impossible. And it is what is also driving this factionalism. They have different layers within the ANC. And those who thought that the departure of President Jacob Zuma was going to bring an end to that, when we we read it out, you and I, we have had conversations many times about this. I've always said that, you know what, we cannot, it's very easy to blame it on one person, but we need to look at how the system itself seems to actually have been corrupted. I mean, Bruce, I'll give you an example. You and I, we know about the price distortion that is being caused by sometimes the procurement system, just the overpricing. We have not yet spoken about it. We are talking about corruption and so forth. So those things are almost so difficult to get out of the system to a point where Sometimes we're almost getting to such point where, Bruce, trying to get rid of corruption will be too inconvenient that we may not be able to function properly sometimes. And it gets very depressing. And I can say here, Bruce, on your show that I've just finished my third book, actually, which tried to postulate what it looks like after the NC, because it's not about the NC leaving or staying it's about where the society is also going and how the NC will try to sustain power while the hegemony is declined. It's in edit now, probably they come out in June.
1: But well, we'll I talk to you. We'll talk to you about that then. I don't. Wa- I don't want to steal your thunder on the book, which is not even published yet. Let's 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 look at something you've just said. There's an ideological yeah. divide within the ANC. Is it an ideological divide, or is it a group of individuals within the ANC who've never had it so good, who are terrified of the cookie jar being taken away, and people trying to restore? ANC ideology. I mean, I, I, I wonder, uh, is yeah. it really ideological, the divide? Is it just not criminality versus an attempt to regain the state?
0: I mean, Bruce, I always say that uh, uh, even countries that have got criminalities do experience complex problems also. I mean, uh, one of the complex problems that I think the ANC has to deal with is the question of how it relates to the SOEs and how it restructures. The state institution thereof. But also, at the center of this question is the fact that uh, the SLEs get looted uh, and there is also an element of criminality. So, is it an ideological divide or is it just people struggling for resources? My view is that Bruce it has got different layers whereby it gets to that point where some of the issues present themselves almost as issues of ideological divide. Where do you actually take the direction of the state institutions as the ANC? I mean, you know, you look at the factions themselves and also the factions define themselves in relation to what kind of reforms ought to happen within the state. And they almost try. I don't know whether by pretense or whatsoever. I don't even know if ideological divide are even genuine or there is some level of pretense. But there is that level of identification, Bruce, where you end up with some of the question as to how exactly does the NC wish to relate to power? How much of space do they want in police? How much control do they want in terms of policy leverage? For me, I would say those will still be genuine questions
1: whether or not you're struggling with corruption. The idea of I mean, today's big News24 story was... Uh, I've, the number's so big, I've I've even forgotten it. I've tried to block it out of my mind. It's so horrendous. <laughs> 178 billion rands worth of dodgy tenders at ESCOM that Bowmans could track, that they could find. Um, you know, and it's just... Uh, this This pit is so deep and so dark and so hard to penetrate. Do you see a point at any point in the future where we do manage to clean up the Act enough to move forward productively?
0: I think we're going to have to be able to do that. Uh, no, I think we're going to do that. And the question is how we're going to do that. I don't think we're going to have a successful political project that actually takes on corruption. I don't. I don't see in a short term in the next five years or after the next election, a sustainable project at the center of our politics where one can say that this political project is anchored on fighting against corruption. But that does not mean that that would be the end of anti-corruption in South Africa. I've always believed that South Africa has got a very interesting decentralized state bureaucracy whereby, Bruce, a single act of corruption can actually go through 15 departments or 15 maybe institutions or layers of institutions. I mean, for example, the public protector, the special investigation unit, the NPA. My view has always been that in some cases, not all of these institutions are going to lapse at the same time. I mean, if some lapse, the public protector can keep vice versa and so forth. So my view is that I think we will be able to clean up. It will take a lot of work, but it will not be a shared agenda that is driven as a political agenda it will be the work of NGO, it will comprise of litigation, it will comprise of protest, it is almost like an unguided revolution, if you
1: like. Okay, Raf Monteja, don't go away because now I want to talk to you about your money, your attitude towards money, your own money, the way in which you see it, how you value it, where you like to spend it, what you like to spend it on, and if you do invest, how you invested? I'm curious. More with Ralph Matecha, Dr. Ralph Madecha, author of two and three-quarter books. You can only call it a three-quarter book once it's been through the publishing process. It becomes a full book, you see. That'll be the third one about being after the ANC. But in the meantime, uh, in a moment, more with Ralph Madecha and his money. Uh, tonight's other person is Dr. Ralph Matecha, political scientist, political analyst, and on the line to us from Johannesburg this evening. I mean, you clearly don't... Obsess about money. Maybe you do obsess about money, but you haven't chosen a career that is going to necessarily get you the big bucks, Ralph. I mean, I'm sure you'll be comfortable because you're a talented, gifted guy and you uh, are, are sought after as, as a consultant. But you know, this isn't the, you know, inventing the cure for a disease or working at a bank for massive share options or anything like that. Uh, maybe I should put Ralph on the radio. There we go. Um, I'm so used to Zoom calls that I've, I've become yes. a bit slack yes. on that. Sorry, Ralph. Um, <laughs> uh, you, yes. you've, cho- you've chosen the consultancy route, which can be lucrative, but it's not necessarily a great path to riches, is it?
0: Exactly. It has no guarantee. I'll tell you where I come from with money, Bruce. I mean, I grew up in Limpopo, where I did my metric. there. And uh, as a young person, I've never been poor. I've always sold stuff. When my mum gave me seats, I'll sell them, then I'll give your money back to sell. So I've always been basic that uh, actually, how I use my money now, I I do have cows in Limpopo, because that's the business I don't even, I did not even have to study, Bruce. I mean, I grew up looking after cattle. For me, it has always been compound interest. You buy one, you look after it. The next year, you've got two or so. It has been as simple. I'm not the person who's going to invest in something that I hope to understand the next day. I'm very, very, very basic when it comes to that. That is why I spend a lot of time in Limpopo and uh, uh, mostly uh, actually the business that I also engage in, Bruce, you'll be shocked. <laughs> I do I some buttering system. Some of the women in the village will say, hey, Ralph, bring us uh, 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 tanks to carry water because they've got water problems there and we'll exchange with goats and I'll do that. And, and, and it's as basic as that. It doesn't give me headaches. It's not sophisticated. I can just take... I can just calculate at the bag of envelope, what am I making, what are the risk and thereof. And and it's as simple as that. I mean,
1: do you add to your herds? I mean, do you and your flocks? Um are you do you sort of whenever you've got a bit of spare cash, do you you know, do you go to an auction and and, and buy more? Or are you growing it in the old fashioned organic way?
0: Well, we do it the organic way, but we also buy at times when we look at the breed that we like, we buy. I mean, one of the things, Bruce, that always worries me a lot is that Being someone who grew up in villages, I'll go to the community dam where the cattle, the whole thing, drink. And when I look around, sometimes people will see cattle. And I'll see that that's like a 10 million portfolio that is actually not properly counted upon in South Africa's economy. Because the people there, that's how they sustain themselves. So they've done it organically. But now, because a lot of the beef industry depends a lot on us calling us subsistence farmers, uh, you get advices. People are now breeding better. There is a sense of people saying that let's keep this type of a breed, let's exchange and those kind of things. So it, it, it's, a, it, it's very simple. And Bruce, that's what I grew up doing. When I went to school there, all I did was to get water, look after the cattle, and go to school. That's it. We do not even have a Do
1: Do you commit part of your monthly salary to the herd? Um, is, is, do you, do you, how, how do you manage it? I mean, and also managing it largely remotely.
0: I get helped by my father who's retired, being able to help. But I also go there so often, Bruce. I mean I'll sometimes take a call from seven oh two from the farm in the morning where I'll be doing some other work, some small holding and so forth. So it it's it, it's it's more it I find it very fulfilling that after doing everything else, after being part of the traffic, so to speak, being around Job and, and Bruce after living in an apartment in New York, I've never found a place more peaceful <laughs> looking after those things. I mean, I, And I ask myself, why did I have to go to places such as Croatia to then realize that I'm sitting on a treasure here? So it, it, it is just, I'm not trying to have millions, Bruce, I've got no interest in having millions, if I may say that one right. I just want to be
1: okay. That's it. No, I think everybody wants to be okay. And I mean the idea of livestock, and people have built great wealth on livestock over, over many, many generations, and it's a great way of doing it. So you don't have any formal investment products. I mean, do you have a retirement annuity, or is your retirement annuity all sitting, eating grass?
0: No, Bruce. You know what I did was I used to work for Treasury far in the back, and when I went for National Treasury, worked a little bit, and from there, never had any full-time job. I've been able to i always say to myself that uh why do i work i don't actually work to make money i actually work to get my time back i always say i want to buy back my time i always say that and i know i'm speaking from the point of privilege as someone who has been privileged bruce to be able to go to university and work in your own time but i always say that it's not how about how much money you make it's about how much time you actually have because I mean, I always have this idea that you shouldn't make so much that you don't even have time to spend it. So investing in the livestock is quite a big thing. We know all the risk and everything. I mean, for example, my dad has had the livestock for the last over 30 years. He has never lost the entire flock. So you understand the risk thereof. how much you can put, but I'm not into portfolios. I don't have sleepless nights thinking about how the shares are moving. Although the work that I will do, I'll end up doing a lot of looking into that where people want to make decisions in relation to that. I can help you, give you an input about investment and thereof, but it doesn't mean I'm going to put my money into that. Not out of any judgment or anything. It's just too complex for me.
1: Uh, and and so a lot of people can be completely freaked out about this idea of leaving your, your herds out in the felt and the jackals and the uh, livestock thieves <laughs> and disease and oh, all... <laughs> Uh, that would keep me awake at night. That would keep me awake at night. Farming is not for sissies. Farming is hard. Farming is tough. It's hard.
0: It's hard. We know the problem of stock theft, but I'll oh. tell you, if I were to calculate the risk, which uh, maybe I will pick whatever portfolio and I look at the risk, I even include stock theft, and 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 whatever it is, I can say that it is still, it just still has much more more manageable risk than. than than other things. But again, the bias is that it's all I've known. As a child, Mm. that's what I've always
1: known. But what people, I mean, anybody talks about investment, say invest in what you know. And he's done that. Dr. Ralph Mateja, he is a political analyst.